Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome to your first off-season episode of Swings and Mishes. I am your co-host and producer, Jeremy Taché, joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend, the man behind the name in this podcast, Swings and Mishes, Craig Mish. Craig, how you doing now that it is the Marlins off-season uh, and we are not doing shows every single day anymore? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great to be here. We we certainly have a lot to go over here as as the Marlins season comes to an end, and we did a lot of fun shows, post game shows, podcasts. But the calendar turns, and and here we are on the verge of the of the GM meetings, and then of course the winter meetings, and the Marlins making some I, I would say pretty significant front office moves. We'll get into that as well. So it's great to talk to you and see you, Jeremy. Right, yeah, you too, Craig, and and that's exactly where we're going to start. Um, as anybody listening to this podcast probably already knows, Michael Hill was not renewed by the Marlins as their president of baseball operations. His contract was up at the end of the year. Uh, there was no extension. He was not renewed, um, and the Marlins will be moving on without Michael Hill, who was their longest tenured front office personnel member. He was with the team for 19 years, uh, president of baseball operations for six seasons, Craig, I know you and Michael had a had a really good working relationship. Um, Mike's a good guy. What are your thoughts about uh, Michael Hill no longer being with the Miami Marlins? Yeah, and Mike is my friend too. So not only a working relationship, but somebody that I've known for mm. for a long time. Mike used to come on my television show, the Mikasuki Sports Rap Show, for many years. would Would make the trip down and make those appearances. We're talking right. about 2002, 2003, 4, 5, 6, 7, mm. and, and was a big part of this organization for a long time. He deserves a lot of credit for not only helping with the transition from the old regime to the new, but having to simply endure everything in, in this franchise for a long time. And, and look, right now, Things are headed in the right direction, but there was a period of time where there was no direction, and Mike was kind of being forced in a position to like steer a rudderless ship, I would say, for yeah. for many years, and uh, just 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 a lot of wacky things happening within the organization, tragedy within the organization too. Let's not forget that in the past as well. Mm -hmm. So that was a tough day. That was a tough day to to hear that last Sunday, and I have communicated with Mike since then, and I'm keeping in touch. I want to. Make sure I do that to see where his next landing spot is. I believe that he will have a future in baseball, whether it is as a general manager or a special assistant of some kind. Remember, a lot of the spots right now are kind of taken. So it kind of puts him, I think, in a tough spot where a team would have to like fire their GM right now or their team president for him to take mm -hmm. over. Uh, and I don't know that that will happen, but I, I do think that he will very quickly find work somewhere and continue to scout and deliver important information, build on relationships. And he's been that guy for, for the Marlins and a uh, really good communicator with other teams. And, um, and, and I'm going to miss him a lot. I'm going to miss seeing him at the ballpark. It reminds me a little bit, unfortunately, of, of when uh, Andre Dawson was, was let go or, or not decided to be renewed. They've made up since then, uh, the organization and, and, and Hawk and, and Tony Perez and, and Jack McKeon, I guess. But like not seeing Mike <laughs> yeah. uh, at, at the park when I go to the park is going to be very weird because I, I love talking to him. I love talking fantasy football with him. He was always helpful in mm. fantasy baseball to me. Yeah. 
He would always give me the sleepers and the guys to keep on on teams and who would get the saves. And like these were questions that he knew I needed. And (laughs) he would know when I'm doing a fantasy show, like he would be like he'd put his fantasy hat on for me and he'd deliver that. And 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 there was a lot of a lot of fun comments that I could share A, a few recent things that I would share. Number one about Mike Hill is that the one thing that that Mike would always say to me and he would say privately to me and I can bring it up now. I don't mind is that he would say, Craig, I don't, I'm not always, I'll always have an answer for you, but it may not be the one you want. (laughs) And I think that summarizes Mike Hill's tenure in terms of press conferences and audio conferences and all the things that he'd done. He always answered the question. It may not have been an answer, but, but he talked, (laughs) but, but he spoke. And, and I think to me that, you know, some of that is rings true to me where, where he would say that I, it's not always going to be the answer you'll want, but I'll always answer a question. He never Absolutely. would say, no, I'm not going to answer that. And he was always available and, and always available for me. Maybe, maybe not maybe not responding sometimes, different times, and I, and I get that. And then the other thing that I would leave you with was was the fantasy conversations that, that we would have. And, and I don't know if, if Mike partook in, in fantasy football this year. But I used to give him so much crap about the teams that he would draft because he would draft players that were hurt or were out. Like he just had no idea what he was doing sometimes. And and this year we were talking about fantasy football. And I, I think it was very early on he asked or we were talking about just how my team was doing or what was going on in football this year because he didn't really have time to deal with any of this. And. And I said, oh, my gosh, my team is a mess. And I'm doing okay now, but I think I lost, like, Kenny Galladay early in the season, maybe Godwin. Mm-hmm. Two guys at once. It was, like, really bad. And sure. I said to him, yeah, it's, like, really hard. It's been a struggle because I've got a couple of, of players out. And he said, you have a couple of players out. <laughs> I had 18 guys on my team. You mean, don't, you better oh, stop complaining terrific. right now and get that thing fixed. And, and, that, and, and it made me laugh because he was right. Like He lost 18 mm-hmm. guys to COVID, and here I am losing two guys on a fantasy team. Puts it in perspective right. a little bit. But there's so many stories through the years to share. And, and uh, I, you know, maybe, it, maybe we'll have Mike on at one point when things settle in a little bit and we can go through history and all that. But look. Uh, right now, he's he's you know clearly a free agent on the front office market, and and that's kind of where it stands. So I know that there's got to be a follow up from you, Jeremy, on this. So I'll I'll answer <laughs> your next question. Yeah, well, and and first before I do ask that follow up, I just want to say personally, as as a young person that was around the team from a pretty young age, I first started covering the team when I was 22, and I had just graduated college working with WSBN, Mike so immediately was the type of guy who'd walk up, make eye contact, share a handshake and introduce himself. Hey, I'm Mike. And just, he always treated me with respect as a young person around the team. And I really appreciated that as well. So obviously Mike's a very good guy. The follow-up is what can the Marlins be looking for now in their next hire for this position of president of baseball operations, or will it even be called president of baseball operations? Right. Okay. Well, that wasn't the follow up I was expecting. So let let me ask oh, let, let 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 me let me ask the question that everybody else has, and then I'll answer that okay. question. Okay. Everybody else wants to know what happened, right? Like what right, happened? Like why isn't he back? And I and and here is the best that I can tell you with that. I believe there was a point that 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 the CEO of the team, Derek Jeter, and and everyone involved uh, would have liked Mike to come back with the organization, Mm. but under different parameters. 
And whether those are financial, whether those are in title, uh, whether those are in specific duties, I can't speak to all of that because I'm I was not surprisingly, Jeremy, not on that conversation. I was not on that mm. call with the two of them. I was not sneaking mm-hmm. around. No, like, really? hacking. I, I did not hack that call. I was not there. I'm surprised. So I don't. And and, and Mike doesn't want to get into too, uh, too many details. And clearly, uh, even though I do know some of them, I, I don't want to speak out of turn because I there's there's two relationships here. There's the, the Marlins relationship and there's the relationship with Mike. And I want to keep those right. separate here because they are separate now. Yeah. I I don't think Mike was happy with what they offered, whether it mm. was the role that he was going to have and and maybe even the finances as part of that uh, you know I, I have to be fair and say mike could not have possibly expected to continue to get paid the same based on the loria money that he was given in the past but i i don't know that that was it i i think that there was more to it than that in the way i i just don't think that mike felt good about the conversation that was had when he was mm. asked to potentially come back and consider the role that he would have when he would come back. And it is my estimation that the Marlins, with this designation and with this ask of of Mike's return, uh, in a prudent manner to decide whether or not this would be something that worked, uh, inevitably, you know, took a day, took two days, took three days, whatever it was, uh, the Derek Jeter uh, called Mike, and basically at that point, when there was no uh, answer on that, uh, I think at that point the two of them decided to part ways. Or inevitably, yeah. maybe it was it was Derek at that point that said, "I think that I think Derek did say that in in the press conference that he, I believe, called Mike and said, "I don't think this is going to work." Uh, mm-hmm. So that's how it ended. So that's how it ended at that point. And and again, I don't know all the intricate details, but I think I've summarized it best enough to say initially a chance of Mike returning, maybe not the same money, maybe not the same role, maybe a difference of 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 things that he would be involved in in the organization. I can't speak to it exactly, as you can imagine, uh, as a president of the team for a decade and being with the team for 20 years, that's yeah. going to rub anybody the wrong way. You can't blame Mike for that. Everyone mm-hmm. is unified in saying that he did a really good job this year. And right. and basically, I, I, I guess that's kind of how it ended. Mike basically thought, um, you know, I don't like this negotiation. I don't like where it's headed. And, and it got salty, I guess, at that point without words. And, and, it, and it ended. And that was it. So um, we'll, yeah, we'll have to follow up at some point on it. But that's but that's more or less the the story as far as what I was told. So sure. Yeah. And, and these are the, the conversations that we were having here on this podcast about how those conversations might go when we were when we were previewing this season. And we were talking about all the different roster moves. And this was back in spring training 1.0. We were having conversations on here about, all right, well, Michael Hill's contract is up at the end of the year. And, you know, you had said, hey, don't make me break the news. Or, you know, we were having those conversations about what's going to happen next with Mike Hill. And and the the point that you brought up is, is his role going to have to change? Is the salary going to have to change after the, the pay bump that had happened on the way out from the previous ownership? So things sort of went the direction in which we we sort of predicted here on, on this podcast. And unfortunately, you know, Mike Hill is no longer with the team. And so now to uh, get to the follow-up question that I had before, uh, missing the obvious yeah. follow-up, 
right. what should the Marlins be looking for in their next president of baseball operations? Okay, yeah. So so that's the great question. And and again, as we're doing the podcast here on October the twenty second, two thousand and twenty. Yep. They have not yet conducted interviews with any potential candidates. So let's start off with that. Furthermore, I don't know that they're in in any specific rush to bring in a new president or general manager at the moment. I I think that will Mm. change in a month from now, but I don't I don't think that there's a rush and I don't particularly see a rush right now because the people who are making the important decisions are all within the organization. And and Derek Jeter illustrated those names. Uh, I mean, you, you, you have Gary Denbo, you have Dan Greenlee, you have Brian mm-hmm. Chatton, you have Hottie Rod, you have uh, Adrian Lorenzo, you have DJ Svillick, and I don't, I'm probably forgetting a name, but those, in gen- those names in general are the ones that are in that room that are going to be making the decisions anyway. And so that leads me to my next point, which is this. I feel that the next president of the Miami Marlins will have an important role because he will have to manage the day-to-day operations of everybody within the organization and make sure that everybody is on the tracks and doing the right thing and and getting the job done, so to speak. It's all cliches, mm-hmm. but I think that is the role that this person is going to have. Now, that role has been held by people in the past in other organizations like Pat Gillick, who's a Hall of Famer, mm. like Mark Shapiro with the Toronto Blue Jays, like Stan Kasten, um, you know, like Andy McPhail. Like these are team presidents that are, are great at managing and are great at letting people do their jobs. They're great at right. speaking to the media. They're great at speaking to agents and, and great at, at consummating trades, which Mike was great at too, like great yeah. at, at managing, right? But in the end, is that person going to come in and have all these new fresh ideas and want to bring in all these new <laughs> people and want to implement? That is not that person. So I don't see any of these you know, next wave of general manager types being brought into Miami. I don't see it. What I see is a pre- is a president of baseball operations that is going to have an important role, but is not going to be essentially the final decision maker of the Marlins. And even better yet, I'll say it, I don't think that person is coming in to be the most important person in terms of making right. decisions in the organization. They have talked about having a, having a collaborative effort with everyone, but... I, I think there will be I think Gary Denbo's voice and Dan Greenlee's voice are going to be stronger than whoever they bring in. I, I just mm. think that is the case. But this this individual will be communicating and collaborating the ideas of the organization. That's my opinion on who's mm. coming in. Now, I have brought up the name Jim Hendry, who was a former general manager with the Cubs, who is now a uh, special assistant to the GM with the New York Yankees, who mm-hmm. I believe fits that role. Jim Hendry has not been interviewed. So keep this in mind. That's the name that I brought up. I brought up Tim Nehring, who is also the key advisor to uh, Brian Cashman in New York. I mean, again, we we have to go the Yankee route because everybody they bring in is Yankees. You think I'm going outside the box here. I'm not. So 
uh, but Nehring, I would think, is going to be someone that is going to be a GM and is going to want to make those decisions and bring in his own people and start new. And Cincinnati could have been a spot for him. But that's another name of, of a possibility. Now, these names have probably at this point, Jeremy, have not even been considered at this point, to be mm. honest with you. These are names that are coming from me. Um with with information though they're they're yeah it's not me throwing a dart and just pulling somebody out of nowhere and saying walt jockety like that i'm not gonna do (laughs) but but i but i am giving you a name of 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 potential and it comes with with information okay it doesn't come from from zero so i i think that that's the kind of president the marlins are looking for where yes they will have a voice and yes, they will have an opinion and be important, but this is a president keep the train going with the Miami Marlins, not president coming in, Heim Bloom to Boston, complete shakeup, right. going different right. direction. Uh, I don't see that happening. And furthermore, let me close by saying on this, Gary Denbo loves what he does. Gary Denbo looks like from all accounts is great at what he does i i I mean i believe that i believe that to be the case in my conversations with him and from everything that i see in the direction that they're going i believe that i do he -hmm. is not going to be the president of baseball operations with the marlins you can eliminate that it is not going to happen he is going to stay and do exactly what he's doing he is the role that he has is the role that he loves he gets to uh, be on the backfields and develop the players and get them to where they mm. want. And he, and he's not a day-to-day minutia major league guy. He's just not. He's he's not going to be on the Gary's not going to be on the phone with the agents and the trades and but he's going to be in the room with here's my opinion. Right. And people are going to listen. And that's what Gary's going to continue to do, I think. I think. So if if I had my strongest opinion of all the things that we're <laughs> going to talk about here today, that's the one to eliminate. Gary's not going to be the president of the Marlins. He's not going to be it. It's going to be someone else. And Gary's going to continue to do what he loves to do. And we'll leave it at that. Well, with all the names you brought up, all these guys have started to fill in, whether it's Philick or Greenlee or Denbo, they've, they've started to fill into their roles so perfectly and so succinctly. And so now... Like you just mentioned, bringing in somebody just to manage all of those folks to make sure they continue to execute their jobs to the best of their ability so that this build can continue to rise the way that it has makes all the sense in the world. And so before we move to, to some of the roster moves that, that might need to be made by whoever comes in for the Miami Marlins, I, I know our next topic is actually going to be on minor league baseball. And Craig, I know you have some information that, that might be sort of surprising to our audience. Yeah, this is the first time that this is being brought up. So I, I don't know if it's the first time being brought up nationally or locally. And, and I thought it was worth more than just a simple tweet. But it it has come to my knowledge that Major League Baseball is going to be realigning minor league baseball. And I don't know to what length, I don't know to what degree, but this is going to be affecting, uh, from what I understand, all of the clubs. Now, mm. I don't have confirmation on this yet. As of right now, it's simply in discussion, and you could quantify it as maybe more of a strong rumor than anything else. But from what I understand... Uh, and, and we can start with the Marlins and then kind of go from there is that it's a, it's more of a regionalized minor leagues is, is what, cause major league baseball is taking over a lot of the onus on, on minor league baseball. And so mm. from Miami's point of view, I believe that they're going to be asked to uh, leave Wichita, their AAA affiliate 
Uh, I think there's a chance of that happening. And at the very, Mm. you want my percentages, at least 50%, I think maybe even higher than that. And if that indeed was to happen, their AAA affiliate would simply go to Jacksonville. Jacksonville would go from their AA to their AAA, and then they would have to find a new minor league affiliate for AA, which could very easily be transitioned to somewhere in the South, like Pensacola as a possibility. And then Jupiter would stay their single A. And I'm not sure about the other low A's and, and all of those things, but that would be something to watch in, in the coming mm. months, which would be a, a possible realignment uh, of, of basically regionalizing minor league baseball to make it easier on everyone, honestly. I mean, I don't think it's a bad sure. idea. It just would be a little shocking to think that they just signed up for Wichita and now they're being <laughs> told that you're not <laughs> going to be in Wichita anymore. And, and my, it's Gosh. also my understanding this isn't the Marlins or any of Major League ba- uh, any, any clubs asking for this. It's Major League Baseball asking for this. So it's not like the Mar- Marlins are calling Wichita and saying we're out. It's that Major League Baseball wants to realign and being told, hey, look, this is where you're going to go. So uh, keep an eye on that. That's something to follow. You'll remember where you heard it first, right here on Swings and Mishes. And with, with something like that, you know, it's it, it's interesting to see why that ultimately ends up happening and, and how much of that has to do with, obviously, no minor league baseball this season due to COVID. So as as minor league baseball does realign again, remember, you heard it here on Swings and Mishes first. And so now we can get back to the Marlins and some of the, the upcoming moves that, that need to be made as we head into the winter. You know, there are going to be some tough 40-man decisions. Remember, the Marlins had 61 players on their roster throughout this season. So there were some 40-man decisions coming up, and also Starling Marte and Brandon Kinsler's options. So, Craig, let's update the folks on where things are at in terms of the 40-man roster and those options and where things stand for the Marlins. Yeah, so so Marte's option will or is being picked up. I'm not sure how that stands officially. Maybe it has already. I, I don't know the clerical part of that. But but his option will 100% be picked up. Uh, Brandon Kinsler's mm-hmm. has not, or and, and has not been asked hmm. about. I don't think either, either. So I'm not I'm not really sure where that stands. I, I I suppose that they will pick it up, but I I can't say that I'm absolute certain of that. So that's something I'm going to have to dig into here over the next week or two. But 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 I don't know that it's a 100% type deal on on Kinsler's option hmm. being picked up. They have to make some 40 man calls here and 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 you know before the rule 5 and all that like Gira Encarnacion is one player that's going to have to go on the 40 man they're going to have to make right. room for him. And and then the other part of this that's going to be really interesting for me the one position at least is that uh is first base because hmm. Yeah, I'm not really sure how they're going to go with this. Now, if there's a designated hitter in the National League next year, that would obviously make things a lot easier to make that call. But uh, I I know that there's a lot of support uh, internally for uh, for Garrett Cooper to return as as a starting first baseman next year, uh, you know, and kind of grooming Lewin Diaz in eventually. I think Diaz inevitably, and, and I think everybody knows Diaz, his defense is among the best in all of minor league baseball. Has a chance to be a elite defender there. It's just a bet. we're going to wait on the bat. I think D, I think right. uh, Lewin's going to need a little time in AAA wherever that AAA ends up being, and then I, I think he ends up taking over at some point. And I think even probably Cooper knows that too. But yep. but but I but I, there is a lot of support for Cooper. There's a lot of support for Cooper, and they really liked what they saw in the postseason from him. And so I think that you have to you know, move on to the next guy, which is Jesus Aguilar. And it's really mm. an interesting dynamic because if they don't have a DH next year, uh, Don Mattingly in the postseason almost exclusively wanted Cooper at first base. 
and mentioned that he thought that he played a better first than Aguilar, and that leaves Aguilar almost without a position because they don't want to put Cooper back in the outfield. Right. So what does it mean? Does that does that mean that Aguilar mm-hmm. is, is the odd man out in some way? Does it mean that they tried to trade him? Will 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 he be back? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know the answer to that. And and in terms of trade value for a player like Aguilar, we have to call it how it is. He is not going to have a lot. <laughs> it's no. just all there is to it. We see these players in Major League Baseball who are without positions. And even though Aguilar played great last year and was a fantastic clubhouse influence, yeah, if if you can't play a position in the big leagues, you don't really have a lot of value. So I would think some American League team would take a shot, maybe, and 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 put him at DH. But everyone would know that Miami would be looking to move him. So that to to me, that dynamic of how they handle that in particular will hmm. be interesting because I don't think that you non-tender him that I don't think I think they'll tender him a contract and go through arbitration but maybe it will be some other team's arbitration and maybe they will end up moving him but I'd be very surprised if Garrett Cooper wasn't the opening day starting first baseman of the Marlins next season so uh, that's where we stand with that and and um, you know Jose Arrania is clearly on the bubble at this point on the 40 man I would not expect him right. to be tendered a contract I think we've seen uh, the end there and and then as the winter goes on, the, the one position that I think that you're going to see, and we'll talk more about this uh, as an upgrade in the offseason, whether it's the winter meetings or or trade or whatever the case may be, is going to be the infield. I think that is mm-hmm. the second base slash shortstop position is, I think, where you're going to see moves made. I, I think you're whether it is minor leaguers with upside to play or whether it is major leaguers right now, I don't think that they're going to go into 2021 with just simply Rojas, Jazz Chisholm, uh, Isan Diaz, and I suppose you could put Birdie in that category too. I I don't think that those are going to be the four that we're going to be looking at in spring training playing every day. I I think someone else is going to come in. That's my opinion. Interesting. Interesting. And, and, you know, with how well Birdie played throughout the season and obviously with with Jazz's emergence and and for that matter in the postseason hitting the ball pretty well in his couple of appearances, uh, it will be interesting to see, you know, what the competition is like at those positions. And obviously Miggy Rowe being the, the, the team's leader, you know, when you when you look at first base and you look at at someone like Jesus Aguilar. It's fascinating to me that these teams are headed into the offseason without the clarity as to whether or not there will be a designated hitter That's in the National League. That's a very good point. Yeah. The, Mar- the Marlins cannot be—they're definitely not the only team sitting here with fringe players on their 40-man roster wondering, are we going to have that designated hitter position? So hopefully— for teams throughout the National League, not just the Miami Marlins. Hopefully for them, there is some clarity as we head toward the winter. And and as we do that, are there any other little things that the Marlins need to work on other than that middle infield that, that might be of note as we head into the winter here, things that Marlins fans should be looking for? Yeah, that, that's the only thing that, that seems very evident thus far. I, I think they have mm. a lot of outfielders in the big leagues and the minor leagues, a lot of pitching in the big leagues and the minor leagues, catching, of course, I, I, there's a, I think there's a chance Alfaro will be given another run at it, but I, I, I can't say that for sure. But the one area that that will be tested is their depth at that mm. position, because I, I think it is it is fair to like Jazz Chisholm and to think that he is the shortstop of the future. But you also, if if your if your mantra as a, as an organization is to have depth at every level at every position. 
You need more. And to plan just in case something happens. Because clearly two years ago, yeah. with the guys they were rolling out, there really wasn't much of a plan. And and now that Lewis Brinson has become a better player, it looks like he's become a better player. When he was struggling, there really was no other plan. They didn't have anybody Nothing. else. Like They were just playing him every single day. Uh, so it is my opinion that whether it's at the minor league level or at the mm. major league level, and we will have to start going through some free agents, we're not there yet, I right. believe that they will be prepared to answer that question. What if Jazz is not ready? What if Isan Diaz doesn't work out? Like, you, you have to ask those questions. Yeah. And in 2021, the Marlins are looking to make another jump. And you, you have to have second base filled. And you also have to understand, I know this is a hard conversation to have, but Miguel Rojas is one year left on his deal. And, and I don't think Miguel Rojas is going to be the Marlins shortstop when he's 35 years old. I, I don't think sure. so. I don't think so in a couple of years, three years, four years. I don't think that will be the, do I think next year? Yes. But you, you have to start preparing for that. And I can yep. tell you, they are unprepared right now at the minor league level outside of hoping that Jazz Chisholm is the guy. So right. I, I think you're going to see a shift there. Second base slash shortstop players being... Uh, and by the way, Anderson, a free agent, two years, but uh, mm. second base shortstop, someone else, a trade, a signing, depth. Look for that to happen this winter. That's my guess. It's a terrific point you made on on the Lewis Brinson center field scenario from a couple years ago. This organization has added so much more depth to be able, I mean, we saw what just happened this year with all the guys they had to replace throughout the season. Thank goodness some of that depth had been added, but the point you make, at the catcher position, there's not a ton of depth, and obviously in the middle infield, there's not a ton. Whether Jazz ends up being the shortstop, second baseman, these guys need to be ready to produce right away, and like you said, the Marlins were a playoff team this year, and I think their expectations going into next year are they want to compete again. And so if they don't think Jazz is ready or they don't think Isan's ready, they need to have other options, whether that be other prospects or, you know, other Major League Baseball players that are, that are ready to go. So that's everything that you needed to know here on Swings and Mishes. We've got you covered as we head into this offseason, as we head toward the winter meetings, you know, coming up. Before you know it, uh, as this season just wrapped up, I hope you guys are enjoying the World Series. Obviously, that's split 1-1 right now. And uh, Craig, any last thoughts right before we uh, head out here? Nope, that's it. We'll keep you updated. I think that we gave you a lot of information to chew on this week here on, on the podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the World Series, and we'll check in over the next couple weeks. 